3: Welcome back. Another Monday on the Spartan Sports Wrap. This is 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. I'm your host as usual every Monday, Alex Sharg. David DeFever will not be joining us today, but instead we do have John Yales back again today. Uh, Great to have him, of course. And also on this very Monday, I would just like you all to know that the Big Ten still sucks and we will get to that later in the show. We got a big jam-packed lineup because of all the sports going on at the same time right now. Uh, this is just that time of year, John, as you know. Uh, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, oh my. And, uh, it, it's starting to get you know pretty heated up. Who thought the Tigers would be this far? You're going to the World Series. None of us did, probably, to start within the second half of the season, John. Yeah,
0: the way they were playing down the stretch, no one thought they'd be here.
3: Absolutely. The number for the show, as usual, 517-432-3893. If you want to call in on any topic during the show, uh, if you want to answer our question of the week and how it works is each week i pick a question in the sports rap team here and it's your obligation and your duty if you know the answer correctly you need to tweet at 89 fm sports rap again at 89 fm sports rap if you know the answer to the question of the week you need to tweet your answer or you can feel free and call in as well uh but if you know the correct answer uh, the winner will receive a gift certificate for a entree from Pita Pit. Uh, more information can be found online at www.pitapitusa.com. Uh, of course, all of us at The Impact here, we'd like to thank Peter Pit for their continuing support and remind listeners that they may win once a week. So if you know our question of the week, you need to tweet or call in, and you can win yourself a Peter Pit gift certificate. So we definitely want to get some people tweeting or calling in Uh, for that question of the week. And this week, our question is, which was not answered two weeks in a row, John. Two weeks in a row, no one can get It's a tough one. It's a tough question. Uh, Actually, we gave away the year, actually, uh, last week. So we're going to give away the year again today. Uh, After the Aaron Burbridge performance against Indiana, who had the second best performance as an MSU freshman wide receiver back in 2004? So if you Google 2004, see the receivers on that roster, there's one MSU freshman receiver in, in that 2004 season that had a great receiving performance. Who was that receiver? If you know the answer, again, tweet at 89FM SportsRap or feel free to call in 517-432-3893. Again, the winner will be now announced at the end of the show. Or actually, if someone gets it correctly during and we do have that magic number, uh, we will announce it in the middle of the show. So you definitely want to keep tuned for the whole show today. Also coming up at 7.45 later in the show, we do have our special guest of the week. Uh, that's a weekly occurrence at the Sports Wrap. And this week, we do have Larry Lage, who's the AP writer. Uh, he covers MSU football and U of M basketball. He also covers Pistons, Tigers, Lions, Red Wings, and more. Uh, he also was a former Spartan Sports Wrap host back when he went to school at Michigan State. So we're going to get a good conversation with Larry. He's definitely ecstatic to be joining uh, the sports rap today, and uh, I- I'm very excited, John, to have Larry on the show. Uh, I'm sure he's got some great opinions, especially after seeing everything that's been going on with this MSU football team, as you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Just like the Michigan game and everything he covers, he's pretty much well-versed in all the sports that we go over, so he'll be a great guest, and he's Spartan sports rap
3: alumni, so that's pretty exciting. Very, very exciting. Again, uh, the number five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. Uh, you definitely want to get those calls in. Questions of the week. Uh, we actually got some callers calling in right now, which is great. Uh, so we will announce the winner at the later in the show. You definitely want to keep tuning in. Also, towards the end of the show, after we talk with Larry, we have our goon of the week, and this week's goon is, of course, ridiculous, and it's a local boy. It's a local guy. Uh, he's a Detroit Piston, and we'll get to that at seven fifty five so you want to keep t- staying tuned to hear who the goon is this week. Uh, if it is your first time tuning in on the show, uh, we start with mSU sports, we jump ourselves all the way to local and then national we we try to mainly uh you know mainly stick with our local and mSU sports first we'll try to throw national national sports, but within the hour of time it's very, very difficult to cover everything so if you have suggestions, if you want to hear something talked about, you need to tweet or call in. And we will try to get to that at some point during the show or in future weeks. Uh, So, of course, we do cover national, local, and MSU sports. We do have listeners all over the world as far as San Jose State University, as far as Miami, Florida, and even Israel. We are international at the Spartan Sports Wrap at 89FM. So, we do have all kinds of listeners. And we, of course, thank your continuing support at the Spartan Sports Wrap. Line up for today's show in a little bit. At 7:08, we're going to talk MSU football. Uh, basically, what happened again last game, John? You you were there. Uh, you saw the game. Uh, it was uh, it was a horrific sight. I've got a lot of anger pent up in me, John, and I'm going to let it loose today. And we will get to <laughs> that do. at 7:08. 7:25, uh, Detroit Tigers. Uh, wow, this team! Uh, I, I never thought they would really do what they've done. You know, so far in this playoff run. Uh, I've never expected to see Avisail Garcia, even on the team.
0: It's only 19 years old. It's uh, producing like a veteran out there. Yeah,
3: yeah absolutely. Uh, also, I never thought that Honorable Sanchez would pick it up. I thought he was done for when we acquired him. I thought this was another Donshaw Willis blow. Uh, and he certainly proved all of us wrong in this playoff series, so let's hope he keeps it up. 740, we're talking Detroit Lions. Big Monday Night Football matchup tonight. We've got six hundred thousand dollars worth of fines from last year on this game tonight. We'll see if another six hundred grand comes through again. Uh, your thought? I mean, let's just talk about it right now. You think they're gonna? Uh, what, what's your predictions for the heated rivalry on the field, John?
0: Um, right off the bat, I think the Lions are going to win. I think it's going to be a close game in Chicago. So nfc north game cold game up in chicago but ambitious <laughs> i wow. think i think we're gonna come away with it i think our running game is gonna pull together LaShore's is going home in front of his fans in front of his family so he's gonna want to play big and he hasn't had that breakout game yet so i think we'll see him do that and our passing game is good enough and i think it'll, it'll be a close enough game to where we can pull out in the end and chicago's overrated by the national media and just with their defense because of all the veterans they have. They love to hype them up and say how (laughs) great they are.
3: Absolutely. And we'll talk about that even later in the show as well. And then at 745, Larry Lage will be joining us uh, he's going to talk MSU football, a little bit of Tigers, a little bit about the Spartan Sports Trap when he was here, and more. You definitely want to stay tuned for that. And then, of course, closing out the show at 7:55, our Detroit Piston Goon. Uh, this is pretty funny, honestly. If I was back, uh, back in my basketball days, back in high school, I would definitely be doing this too. Uh, we'll get to that later in the show, but. Like I said, we do cover national sports as much as we don't have time. And we do have our annual Ocho Zero segment, basically, if you have not listened before. Chad Johnson, this guy was an NFL perennial superstar, has doomed himself down to being dropped, released by the Dolphins, jobless, unemployed, kind of like a bum. So I basically promise at the Sports Wrap that we will talk every week about Chad Johnson until the media stops giving him attention. And until he stops giving attention to the media. It's both ways. It's a two-way street here. Uh, last week, uh, actually two weeks ago, we had an off week. Chad Johnson was not in the news for one week. Of course, he gets himself back into the news again this past week. He was turning to yoga. Uh, good for him, you know? Good for him with the yoga. Uh, also seen, after divorcing his wife, Evelyn Lozada, only like a two weeks later, he's already seen at lunch also dating other girls. Uh, incredible. He, he, uh He's also looking to maybe land a job with the New York Jets. And this week, what's new with Chad Johnson is he attended the Houston Texans game uh, this past week. They obviously dropped that game. Uh, They are not looking very good when it comes to receivers. Uh, They do need a number two guy, but but besides Andre Johnson, who uh, actually at the game that Chad Johnson attended, uh, Andre Johnson and Chad were are very close friends from uh, back in the day. And, and Andre Johnson and, and Chad Johnson had a little conversation before the game. They were talking in the locker room together. And and basically, for the most part, John, uh, Chad Johnson basically poured his heart out to Andre Johnson. He told him that he's looking for a job. Uh, he He still is, you know, he's still trying to get back into shape. And during that game, Andre Johnson is the 38th player in the NFL to reach 10,000 career receiving yards. So Chad got to see that game. And guess who's number three receiver behind Andre Johnson the Texans? That's our very own Keyshawn Martin. And so if Chad Johnson gets signed with the Houston Texans, which it's it's, it's possible, but I wouldn't count it likely, if he does get signed, that moves our boy Keyshawn Martin down. So Chad Ocho Johnson... (laughs)
0: He's hurting the Spartans.
3: Yeah, well, for Chad Johnson, you're still a zero to me because there's no way that you're going to get a spot over Keyshawn Martin. And we will see if that comes in full circle. But John... We're going to start this show off besides the Chad Ochard Zero segment with our MSU Spartan football team. Oh, how do I start this one? <laughs> I go to Michigan. We, we go to the big house, John. Yep. And we try to make it five straight. This is a team that obviously is dealing with some injuries right now. They've mm-hmm. got a lot on the offensive line they have to deal with. Uh, but the one thing I didn't expect to see was for Le'Veon Bell to have 25 yards at the end of the first half. It was horrendous. I, I, they I really don't know how to describe um, how many dropped balls again from the receivers. Even Aaron Burbridge dropping two balls. It's horrendous. And it starts all with the play calling because as much as the players, you know, have some kind of impact, we we didn't see any touchdowns in the first half. And we saw both teams drive down the field, not being able to capitalize in the end zone, and it was horrible. Uh, John, uh, I want to know your thoughts before I go on here. Uh, what did you see in that game? Uh, wh- where does this team go from here? They dropped their fourth loss now.
0: Oh, those are some hard questions. Where do you go from here after losing to Michigan? You only are four and four. You got two tough, tough games. A third, pretty tough game. So. I don't know. This that game probably took a lot out of MSU. They're all saying the basic stuff that we right. got to pull together. Max right, Bullock's right. talking the like basic. that. Yep. D'Antonio he he can't say all the goals are in front of us anymore, which is good. But I don't know. This this team is on the verge of completely falling apart. That's what I'm worried about. I don't want it to become an embarrassment where we lose to Wisconsin awfully. We lose at home again to Nebraska in a big blowout or something like that, and then we lose to a weak Northwestern or something like that, and then this game's just a joke, and this team is a joke. So I just want them to be able to compete these next two games, and I think that's all they're looking for. But that Michigan game, it was a close game, so you have to give them credit for that. It was a very competitive game. It's not like they ever gave up or anything. You never saw that, and there was some positives coming out of it. You saw the heart, and you they got pumped up for the Michigan game. Some people saw, including myself, said they were going to get beat. So they only lost by two points, and a lot of it was plague calling. So mm-hmm. you've got to take that more. I think the blame is going more and more on the coaches and less on the players over these past couple of weeks, even though we're not winning games, not just because of the players.
3: Now five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three is the number we're going to jump to open lines to start off the show. Before we get to Larry Lage later, uh, let me just give a quick summary of this game. And you said we're slowly moving to coaches, and that's exactly why I started off the show by saying that it was the coach's fault. Now, starting off the game, okay, John? Wolverines go into the locker room with a 6 nothing lead. No offense, zero points, nada, nothing in the first half. First half, Fitzgerald Toussaint uh he did get some pretty good yardage on the offensive line. Not great, not great yardage, but he did pack off a 38-yard yard run, which did lead to a Brendan Gibbons field goal. Uh in the second half, Maxwell finally came back, drove down the field, it was a nice drive, I think it was about 70 or 80 yards, uh, completed a touchdown pass to tight end Paul Lang, who is placing Deion Sims, who was still out. Then after the touchdown, Andrew Maxwell throws an interception, leading to another Michigan field goal. They take the lead back nine to seven. Uh, then we jump uh even later in the show, and uh sorry, excuse me, we jump later into the game, and Diane Conroy tacks on a field goal, taking the lead ten to nine. Uh, then it leads to another Denard Robinson drive, and Denard Robinson capitalizes with the last two minutes of the game. Um and um, yeah, and, and with the last two minutes of the game, um he did capitalize with the touchdown, and it was quite an interesting scene because. With that touchdown, John, I want to get to this a little bit later, but leading up to that touchdown by Nenard Robinson, 35 seconds left in the game, it was second down, 11 yards to go from Michigan State 41-yard line. What does the Michigan State defense do? They play tight. They play tight with 35 seconds to go, Michigan is trying to get into field goal range, and they play tight defense. Narduzzi, Why? Why do you play tight defense when Michigan is trying to score and they're not in field goal range? I honestly don't understand. There's no answer and no excuse for a defense playing tight when they should be playing prevent-dime defense. John, to start your thoughts on this, why did they play tight, if any reason at all, and were, were there any other plays or play calls in this game that you saw that really should have been called back? Well,
0: the obvious play is fourth and two. In in the game, when I was sitting there watching it, I originally thought you got to kick the field goal. That was my first thought. You got to kick that field goal, just go up, and our defense is playing good. But then after I thought about it for three seconds and they snapped that ball, I'm like, that is probably going to come back and kill us. It's one of the worst decisions. And all you got to do, you have Le'Veon Bell just throwing a throwback. Uh, Lawrence Thomas back there and stack that right side or left side or whatever you're doing and just shove that ball in for the touchdown and none of this would have happened but giving up those two giving up just three points is not enough for Michigan and our defense with our coaches and stuff like that you're gonna mess up so I think it was a risk that we should have never taken
3: Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three is the number we do have a caller we're gonna jump to the phone right now uh, he may be answering our question of the week uh, who is this? Where are you calling from? Welcome to the Spartan Sports Rep.
2: Hey, this is Ryan. I'm calling once again from Lake Lansing Park. Ryan. Um, my answer was Rodgers.
3: Oh, Ryan, you're very close, uh, but no cigar. It is not Charles Rogers back in O4. It's a good guess. Uh, if you do a little bit of research, call in a little bit later. You could get it correctly, so I encourage you to call in. But Ryan, well, I do have you on the line, uh, I don't know if you've been hearing some of the conversation that's been going on. Michigan State, they play real tight defense, 2nd and 11 in the 4th, 35 seconds to go. They give them a field goal range. Uh, did you catch the play? Uh, what were your thoughts on the play calling there?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think
3: the problem that
2: I have with Michigan State right now is when they have a chance to go for the kill, they need to just go for the kill. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you gotta—you got to trust Maxwell sooner or later to just make the big play. You know, putting his hands in it, just leave the game with a big play, you know, or something
3: like that. Yeah, and besides for heating up, though, uh, we did see a lot of, you know, a lot of low scoring. We saw a lot of field goals. Uh, we saw Dan Conroy miss another field goal, Ryan. Uh, what do you say to a guy like Dan Conroy, who who's 15 of 21 on the year, that's 70%, and you're a Big Ten kicker? You
2: know, I think you just gotta, you, you gotta say one or two things. You either say, hey man, we trust you and it's time for you to step up and play in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. or you just kind of, you go other routes. You know, you, you stick with your quarterback a little bit and you try things that route. Um, you know, the, that's, that's the thing that uh, bothers me about the Michigan State football team is that they need to go for the kill and they need to go for the points. Um, Max is a young guy, but he can throw the ball. So, you know,
3: let's see him do it a couple times. Absolutely. Ryan, thank you so much for calling in. If you do a little bit more research, feel free to call in again if you find that 2004 receiver who was that freshman who broke the record a second to Burbridge in receiving. Ryan, thanks again for calling in.
2: Hey, got to give it to the young guys once in a while.
3: (laughs) Absolutely, Ryan. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks. Yep. So, John, uh, he touched on a really good point. It's either A, you get your act together and really do the part, or B, you know... Uh, it's up to these guys, and when it comes to kicking, look at Michigan for a second here. They've got Brandon Gibbons and they've got a guy named Matt Wilde. They have two kickers, one who's better in certain ranges, the other guy who's better with long range. Brandon Gibbons obviously being the guy that's better at long range kicks. Now, I ask the question, and feel free to call in as well, Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. 432 3893 does Michigan State need another kicker? Because missing six field goals in a game, John... Uh, that's a pretty significant statistic when it comes to a full season.
0: I think you gotta either think about pulling him out and letting some other guy get some snaps and get some kicks, just to see what he's got, and to kind of say, "Hey, we're not gonna give you this job if you're gonna be blowing these games like this and blowing these kicks." You got to kick. Kicking's a very touchy subject because it's so. It's all about the mind, and if you get in a bad rut, sometimes you'll miss kicks that normally you'd never miss. So right. you got to give some guys second chances, and Conroy deserved that because he has been here for a while, and he has been a successful kicker with uh, MSU before, and he's considered nationally as a very good kicker coming into the season. Right. So you have to give him a second chance, and I think you got to let him finish out the season. You can't bring someone in, but maybe down the line you got to think about – looking for a better kicker or something like that, or looking for in-house if you want to develop some more guys.
3: And, and here's the thing, John. You know, Nash. You know, coming into the season, this guy was on the Lou Groza watch list. Uh, now he's probably in the last half of the Big Ten when it comes yeah, to I kicking. Yeah, I think so. And, and I just uploaded the roster of this team, and I love, I'm looking at other kickers here. And let me tell you who we've got behind our very own Dan Conroy. We've got a guy named Kevin Cronin. Uh, he's a freshman from Traverse City West. Maybe give him a shot. We've got Evan Fisher, a freshman from Holt. It's a possibility. We've also got a kicker all the way from Troy named Kevin Muma, who's a junior. And this guy, he had some offers. There's smaller schools coming out. And, you know, I I just wonder, John, uh, we do have other options on this team. And it seems to me when it comes to Dan Conroy, this guy cannot hit certain field goals. Now, I'm sure out of four kickers on the team, some of them that, which are walk-ons, there has to be one kicker who can auto- automatically hit field goals from 20 to 38 yards. Exactly. So feel free to call in, 517-432-3893. Uh, are you giving Kevin Muma the nod here? Uh, are you giving Kevin Cronin the nod here? Who are you going to, if anyone at all, do you maybe look at another kicker like the University of Michigan did on Saturday? That's the first issue I want to talk about on the show. Also, let's get to another topic right now about that game, John. Last game, Aaron Burbridge drops two balls. This was the savior of the MSU receiving core. Now, were were these drop balls that impactful to the game? Because, you know, one of them was a pretty deep pass, uh, led them into the red zone that he just overall dropped the ball. Um, uh, your thoughts on Burbridge?
0: I think that one was big because that would have gave us the breakthrough into the red zone. But... I don't know. This has been a problem all year, and it's something kind of hard to f- fix because it's kind of been ridiculous how many balls were dropping. So I don't know if it's right. they're not doing the right form, or if they're just it's getting in their head where they're thinking about catching the ball when they're just supposed to catch the ball, and it's not. It's just supposed to be natural. So, but y- yeah, anytime th- these guys are dropping passes, receivers who anytime they get their hands on the ball, they're supposed to catch it, and they most of our receivers are getting some sort of hand on these balls. It's just like fundamentals. They're not bringing the ball in or whatever it's not like they're getting it knocked out or anything like that so I don't know you just work on it at practice as much as you can but if it's a nerve thing in the games or what because they're young and new then you just got to deal with it but at this point I expect drop balls in every game, and I expect those big plays. I'm waiting. F- I'm I'm waiting until that player's on the ground with the ball, and he's standing <laughs> up before I celebrate the completion.
3: Yeah. Now, now with all the drop balls, John, uh, are you kind of ditching this receiving core this year, or are you are you saying, oh well, uh, let's just wait till next season to see if if any of these receivers keep dropping balls, or uh, is there another option to make themselves better? Are you giving Are you gonna give maybe D. Arnett another nod, or, or what's your opinion on that?
0: Well, I think next year you'll see kind of the lineup and the depth chart of the receivers change a lot through spring practices and stuff like that. But as for dropping the balls, I think it's just going to take time because these guys, obviously, over the past, like, eight games, they've had the same problems with dropping balls. So I don't think it's like a coaching thing. I think it's just mentally they're working themselves up and then they're just not catching the ball. So you can't do too much on that besides wait and let experience take care of it. But... Next year, I think they'll all be more experienced. They'll have a season under their belt. They've played in these big games before. They've experienced the pain and sorrow of dropping those big passes. So I think over time, they'll get better receivers. But I would like to see like a DeAnthony Arnett come in next year or just change it up a little bit because right
3: now these guys aren't looking good for down the road. 517-432-3893 or feel free to tweet at 89 FM sportsrap. So, uh, John and I are here talking MSU football. Uh, we do have Larry Lage coming on later in the show. He'll be on at 745. Uh, but besides the fact that these freshman receivers, they need the big game experience. Uh, we'll see if some other guys get some nods later in the year. Uh, but i got to come to a real big topic. This is probably the prime topic with MSU football right now. They're 4-4. Four and four. They're barely keeping alive for a bowl spot in general. I've seen the Capital One Bowl guys watching the MSU game. Maybe you know, they're trying to you know, start talking about Capital One. That's out of the picture now. Mm-hmm. I saw the Gator Bowl guys. That's probably done now too. Now, they're 4-4. Four four. They're 1-3 in the conference. Yeah. And as much as, as, as they need to get ready for these big games when it comes to Notre Dame, when it comes to Michigan, a lot of these guys, John, they, they have been on this team for three years now. Benny Fowler, as much as he hasn't gotten in the game, this is his third year on the team. And it comes to me asking, uh, are you just going to overall ditch this football team and get ready for March Madness and basketball? Or do you still give this team some shot?
0: They they might have a shot at making a bowl, but it's not going to be anything worth it. If you look at the games they have left, they got at Wisconsin coming up this Saturday. They got Nebraska at home. Nebraska has been improving, and right now... Anything's better than Michigan State football, so Nebraska could easily come in here and win. You got Northwestern, which is a really solid team coming in after that. And then you go all the way up to Minnesota for a November 24th freezing cold game outside, so you right. never know what's going to happen there. So, I, it's like I'm seeing one win, maybe two. It's, it's looking really bleak, so sort of I am moving on to basketball because... I love the Spartans, but the way they're playing and what they got scheduled coming ahead doesn't look like they're going anywhere except like Little Caesars Bowl or whatever that is. Now, and do they win?
3: That. Do they win the Nebraska game? Or are they winning the Northwestern game? What about Wisconsin this weekend? That's quite a game. And uh, Wisconsin—they've been quite the disappointment too, as you know so far they've been
0: a disappointment but you still got to go to Wisconsin which is a big deal and coming off that loss i think that's just going to take out a lot of a lot from them and i don't i don't think we're going to win this weekend i don't think we'll win against nebraska it comes down to can we pull our season together get the pretty solid win against uh the northwestern at home and then go and take care of a pretty weak minnesota team away to get a bowl but at the end then you're finishing 6 and 6 and that's nothing to be proud of so Overall, I think with the Michigan loss, the close loss to Ohio State, and that Iowa loss, that just killed you. And coming in thinking Rose Bowl and Big Ten championships, that's gone. No one can dream about that anymore. So, <laughs>
3: Hey, no one can dream about Rose Bowl, but it doesn't mean this team is not going to any pool at all, whether it's Little Caesars whether it's, you know, the MAC Bowl, whether we're playing Central Michigan in a bowl, you never know with this team. Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. 432 Also feel free to tweet at 89FM Sportrap uh, if you want to comment on um, what's been going wrong with this team. And mainly, I want to hear, I, I really want to hear a, a variety of different answers. A- and please make them comical. Why did Narduzzi play tight defense with, four, with 35 seconds to go? when Michigan's trying to get into field goal range. Maybe Dar- maybe Narduzzi, uh, I don't know, John. He I mean, saw
0: something out there, but I don't.
3: All right, well, maybe you... he saw something out there. Maybe maybe his wife told him to play tight. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of some other options here. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe he's uh, dyslexic a little bit. I don't understand. Why are you playing tight defense when it comes to an end-of-the-game situation? You don't want them to score. You're up two points with 35 seconds to go, and you're giving the deep ball pass away you are giving the deep ball to Drew Delio who's been quiet most of the whole game ends up with a 20-yard pass in the slot. It's ridiculous, it's inferior, it's upsetting. Uh it's horrific. 5174323893. Uh feel free to tweet as well. And of course, our question of the week this week uh it's a real tough question. No one's been getting it right for two straight weeks. Uh, but if you do get the question of the correct of the the question of the week correct this week uh, you will receive a gift certificate for an entree from Peter Pitt. Uh, you can find more information online at www.petapitusa.com. And of course, the Impact would like to thank Peter Pitt for their continuing support and remind listeners that they may win once per week. So the question of the week this week was, after the Aaron Burbridge performance against Indiana, where he had that first 100-yard game, who, as a freshman, had the second-best performance Dating back in 2004, so look at that 2004 and that 2014 team. Look at that roster of receivers. See which guy was a freshman. There's one guy who had an 100-yard game in 2004 as a freshman. Who was that guy? If you know the answer, no one's been getting it right correctly so far. We did have a Charles Rogers guess from Ryan down in Lake Park, but he did not get that correct. Uh, if you know the answer, feel free to tweet at 89 FM Sports Rap or call in five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. Uh about thirty minutes from uh so far down in the show. Uh before we jump to a quick break, other notes from that last game. And that first half, John, zero turnovers and zero penalties. And you know that's that's pretty that's a pretty uh fascinating statistic there considering we did have Donovan Clark playing who hasn't had much experience. We did have of course Birkeland, some of these guys who's who've been taken over roles from some injured players. Even with Travis Jackson out we've had guys stepping up. But another thing to note was as much as Dion Sims was injured, he only took a couple snaps in the game. Didn't have any completions. Now, John, uh, how much of an impact is Deion Sims on this team? And would you have liked to see him get some more completions?
0: Yeah, I would have liked that ball thrown to him a lot more because he's, over the past couple games, he's been the only guy who can cons- consistently catch the ball. And that, as a quarterback, that gives you a lot more confidence if you can get this guy who's open and you know he's going to catch the ball. That That gives Maxwell confidence and that doesn't, make him worried every time he's throwing the ball down to his receivers or hesitant to throw the ball at all and just hand it off to Bell rather than risking a drop ball or something like that. So I think he gives you consistency and he's a big body so he can get longer runs after the tackles and stuff like that. So I'd like to see him back full time. That'd be big for the team getting to a ball game.
3: Again, for me, John, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. This team cannot win without Deion Sims. I'm sorry, but as much as Aaron Burbage has stepped up, Deion Sims needs to catch the ball. We're going to jump to a quick break at the Spartan Sports Wrap. This is 88.9 The Impact, WDBM East Lansing.
2: You're listening to Impact
3: Exposure. First
2: floor. Hey, what floor are you going
0: to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three, thanks. Three. <laughs> Hey, didn't we, uh,
3: have...
2: Yeah, that one class.
0: Yeah,
3: that's so funny the, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could, uh, would you ever want to, um, I was wondering if you, if I could stick my finger in your eye.
2: What? No.
3: Same. Oh, I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. that's uh, so
2: gross.
0: I
3: thought we could, you know, just stick my finger uh. in your eye. Is that weird? No,
2: don't touch me. What's wrong with you? Oh.
3: Sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing.
2: Free. Free. Studies show that three-quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. More at cdc.gov slash cleanhands. Impact 89FM.
3: Oh, and welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap. I'm your host, Alex Sharg, as usual, every Monday. And, of course, John Yale sitting across from me today. Uh, David DeFever out of the studio for the day today. He'll be back next week. We just got done talking about this MSU football team and and why Coach Narduzzi can't call uh, a prevent defense with 35 seconds to go. Uh, Let's jump topics now to our Detroit Tigers because there's quite a lot to talk about them, too. Uh, This Detroit Tiger team... When it started the year, World Series favorites. Well, let's say halfway through the season, probably going to go maybe third place, maybe second place to finish the year. Uh, When it came to maybe, uh, I don't know, a playoff run, I think that was maybe out of the question. Exactly. We're sitting here right now, and the date today is October 22nd, and the Detroit Tigers are going to the World Series.
0: And they're favored to win, and they they look unstoppable right now. And looking back a couple of months, that would have seemed impossible, but I don't know. Their pitching has come out of nowhere, so pitching wins baseball games.
3: Yep, and uh, besides their pitching, let's take a look at the slugger himself, Miguel Cabrera. Uh, to start the year, this guy obviously, past three years has been in MVP talks, and finally, you know, he's in pretty decent contention now to win the MVP, and you know the most shocking thing to me, John, and we're gonna get to this little this little quarrel right here uh Mike trout still a consistent mVP talking candidate uh we talked about a last show why Cabrera might be the guy we talked a little bit about a little bit about mike trout uh this guy's real young compared to Cabrera uh your thoughts on trout still being in the conversation uh your thoughts on. Who will ultimately win the MVP, John? Well,
0: I'm a, I'm a Miguel Cabrera guy for MVP just because of the whole – he's a veteran. He's got his team in the playoffs. And the Trout thing, it's more of a numbers, the sabermetrics. And he's a young guy. He can steal. He puts up like a larger stat like – compilation of all the different stats like mcgee doesn't have as many steals but he has more rbis that kind of stuff and mcgee played longer and he's shown that he can lead his team to a place that uh trout could not take his team he could he could play well but the his performance didn't take his team to the playoffs or to the world series and i think this domination by the tigers and their favoritism for the world series is kind of going to push trout to the side when voting comes down because you're kind of they're all talking about how the season ends so close between the two and now no one's been talking about trout for the past month or whatever they're all looking at the tigers and miguel cabrera so i think in the end Miggy will get it and i want him to get it i think he deserves it but i think the reporters are just going to kind of they don't. I don't think they respect that sabermetric side as much as the fans of that do. So, I think Miggy will get picked just on his leading the Tigers to the playoffs.
3: Now, if Miggy gets picked, John, this guy's got about four years left on his contract. Uh, is he gonna? Do you see him maybe demanding a little bit of an extension? Uh, I mean, this guy can easily up his cap if he wants to. I mean, an MVP win, an MVP, uh, basically an MVP tr- trophy for this guy. That's a pretty big statement.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see him as that the kind of guy who's going to push for an extension or demand a certain amount of money. I think if it comes down to he's not producing or whatever after that four years, which I doubt. But if he's not producing and we don't have that much money, I think they'll just let him move on to the next market just like holes because they know it's just not worth it. But I think Miguel Cabrera will be great throughout his career, and I, I think he'll finish his career in Detroit.
3: Now, there's and this is where I'm going to talk to you about for a second, uh, just last point here. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, he carries his team offensively, uh, even with a Prince Fielder. Uh, Interesting to see that uh, this guy with all the talent on that team is still the ringleader when it comes to MVP talks. Now, Mike Trout, you have to remember, uh, just because a guy wins the Triple Crown, uh, it's happened before that a guy doesn't win MVP. And the one thing that I will say about Mike Trout is that people simply just think he's the best player. And as well as Miguel Cabrera did win the Triple Crown, as well as he has led the team, uh, people think that with Mike Trout, uh, how he hits against right-handed pitching itself, uh, numbers like that have not been seen in the last two decades. So uh, I would, I mean, he's the first ever guy to hit 30 homers, steal 45 bases, and 125 runs. That's the first time I've ever done in history. So um, and that's simply what I would say when it comes to Mike Trout, too. So 517 uh, 432 Mike Trout or Miguel Cabrera, unbiasedly, hard to say, uh, feel free to tweet or call in, and of course, our question of the week this week, uh, for some Peter Pitt bucks and a free entree, uh, if you know the answer, you need to tweet or call in, uh, after the Aaron Burbridge performance against Indiana University. Who had the second best performance as an MSU freshman back in 2004? So think about back to that 2004 team, not Charles Rogers, but there's another freshman wide receiver on that squad who had a very good performance back in 2004, uh, racked over a hundred yards for the game. So feel free to call in or tweet if you know the answer to that question. Uh, another fact about the Tigers, uh, this team, uh, with Jim Leland this year has dramatically changed a lot. Uh, coming into the playoffs this guy was on the brink of getting fired uh now uh he's looking up right now. he's he's standing behind his closer like he should he's saying most of the right things in my opinion so far uh when it comes to that yankee game john where the tigers uh what was it was it some jim Leland management or were, were the pitchers just unbelievable or the yankees just really let it get to their heads
0: i think it's the yankees sucked at the end of this season but our pitchers have been really good I don't think it was anything to do with Jim Leland it's, it's the players he picked them to start but besides that it's not like he in helped them pitch a better game or whatever so I don't think he's doing that but as for Jim Leland as a manager I think I never was a Jim Leland hater at the middle of the year honestly okay. because he. you can't besides Frank Kona that everyone wanted for some reason but there's no one to fill his spot. You have a guy who knows his players. He respects his players. He has his loyalties and all that. But that's also respect, which some managers don't have. And then some, uh, most of the players on the Tigers respect him. And that's hard to find in a uh, manager. So if you're going to give that up for a guy who's taking you to the playoffs, has respect, gives respect, then you're not really going to find that anywhere else. And with a younger guy, you've got to start all over. You've got to gain their respect. He's gotta gain their respect, so you can't fire that guy. You can't let him go. You gotta bring him back.
3: Now when it comes to this World Series, when it comes to the San Francisco Giants or the Cardinals, uh, who are you looking to see here? Are you gonna go with a Cardinal team who who obviously beat Detroit with a bunch of pitching errors back in you know, back in that, that world series that they were last at? Or are you going to go with a new team? Would you rather see the San Francisco Giants?
0: I'd rather see the Giants. Just new team. We played that team back in 2006, the Cardinals, so I want to see a change up. But the Cardinals also scare me. They, they got a lot of those no-name players that no one's ever heard of, and they love that. That they don't know, and no one knows them. Um, um, they're not expected to be there. No one even knows that they're there. They love that. So I don't want to play a team like that. I'd rather play the Giants who think they're great. They're been there a couple years ago they're expected
3: and you know what i think that is an easier route uh you know it's it's proven that the cardinal pitching dominates detroit tigers it's proven that uh this this cardinal team can beat the detroit tigers but the one thing i would say is that this detroit team is hungry they want that rivalry they want that world series back that they never they never had and the the good news for the detroit tigers guess who's not on that team anymore albert pujos exactly they don't have to worry about a guy slugging home runs back in the seventh and eighth innings take over the lead. So, with that said, I would rather see the Cardinals. Let's go to the phones. Uh, we do have a caller on the line. Would you rather see Giants or Cardinals? Who is this? Where are you calling from?
2: This is Elmo from Detroit.
3: Elmo, who would you rather see? Are you going with your Giants or going with the Cardinals when it comes to who this Detroit Tigers team is going to play in the World it Series? It doesn't really
2: matter, Alex. We're the team. We're going to blow them out. we got the best pitching in baseball right now.
3: Oh, right. Wow. Very bold opinions, Elmo. Uh, Also, uh, John and Elmo, uh, John here in the studio as well, Elmo, we do have uh, David out today. But uh, one thing that puzzled me when it comes to this Detroit Tiger team was the ALCS series. And what I mean by that is when it comes to each series, there's a new MVP every year. And who won the MVP in the series this year was Delman Young. Delman Young wins the ALCS MVP now, I ask you, John and Elmo, let's start with Elmo first, uh, does Delman Young rightfully deserve this title?
2: I think you've got to give it to him. He, he was the clutch, the one that won it for Detroit. Uh, I mean, you can't forget the pitching that we've had from Verlander and Scherzer and Sanchez and Fisker. Now, the
3: fact that Miguel Cabrera, Elmo, he didn't win MVP over Delman Young, what does this do for his chances of winning MVP, ultimately?
2: good point good point uh i hope it doesn't affect it at all cuz Cabrera definitely deserves it
3: yeah, john what about you uh any thoughts on this mvp uh delman young taking
0: i think he's been playing good the past couple day or past couple games excuse me um he's been what i've been liking about him is he's been getting the offense going um the thursday night game or not the thursday night game the game Three game two, excuse me, game two, he led off in the first inning and got us going with his homer, or not the first the fourth inning, and got his homer to left, and that got us rolling and then second or the fourth game, he had the first inning single to right scoring Infante and moving fielder over to second, so I think he's been good with getting us going, which really helps our offense because sometimes previously in the season. We would struggle to get that first run, get those first couple runs, and now we kind of got this guy who's been leading us into those offensive scoring innings, and we haven't been stopped because with our pitching, we're not giving up literally anything. So if you got one guy starting it, a couple guys finishing it, three, four, five, lead, lead, run, run, lead, you'll be fine. So I think that's why he deserved the MVP is because he's been starting our team and getting us going, he's kind of been the leader in that way.
3: Elmo, I appreciate you calling in. Uh, before you go here, let's just take a quick break. Uh, when it comes to this Detroit Lions team, uh, who you got tonight in the Monday Night Football matchup,
2: and why? The Lions going to take. They're going to tear uh, Jay Cutler apart. You
3: think they want their six hundred grand back from last year's fines? You think that's no what? No question. They... <laughs> no question. All right, Elmo. Thanks again for calling in. And uh, love the show. Take care, Elmo. Take care, Elmo. Bye bye. All right, so we heard it from Elmo. He likes the Detroit Lions. Uh, uh, before we have Larry Lage coming on the line, actually, in a minute or so. Uh, uh, before uh, he comes on John uh, I want to talk about this Detroit Lions team and there's a big rivalry coming up tonight there's been a lot of heat going on over these past two years uh, Chicago's up in first they're, you know, they're leading the NFC North and then you've got your Detroit Lions in dead last place so who do you like tonight John?
0: I like the Lions like I said earlier I think LaShore in our running game will have a big game and if we can get that going i think we'll be unstoppable on offense our defense is going to give up some points to them but i think the bears are overrated Their their defense loves to think they're great but i think we're going to go in there surprise them we're going to be ready we're coming off a good comeback win over philly and i think this is where the lions are going to turn their season around and Get ready for Seattle next week at home.
3: Very bold predictions, John. And before we get to Larry Lage, who who is going to be joining us in just a second here, I want to talk about an article that came out last week. This is from M Live. This is from Anwar Richardson. Uh, this talked about the Detroit Lions looking forward to that matchup. And this is basically what the article entailed. Uh, Dominic Riola came out and said this. Whenever we play anybody in the NFC North, there's no love lost. They don't like us. We don't like them. That's how it is. That's how it goes. It's going to be 60 minutes. It's going to be physical. It's going to be fast. That's just what divisional football is about in the North. Now, here's what Bears coach Lovey Smith said. Quote, there shouldn't be any love lost. You shouldn't be sending each other Christmas cards, and we don't. Now, when it comes to division football, there's obviously competition. But to me, John, this just looks like pure hatred for a team. Uh, agree or disagree, and... And how do you see this matchup playing out tonight? I think they hate. I think they hate
0: each other. They it's their division. The We've lost big games to them. They've killed us before in the past when we were terrible. So it's a respect thing, and we want to go in there and show them that these Bears aren't as great as everyone thinks. That we still deserve respect. That our season's not over. That we're not just going to roll over to this great Chicago Bear team. That they are not even halfway through the season. So I think it is a hatred because. It's football. They're going to hate each other. They're in our division. They want to go on Monday Night Football and show how great they are.
3: All right, so 517-432-3893 is the number. Uh, how big is this rivalry for the Detroit Lions team? But let's jump to the phones. We do have Larry Lage, uh, AP writer who covers MSU football, M basketball, uh, Lions, Tigers, and more. Uh, Larry, great to have you on the show at last. Uh, great meeting you this past weekend at the game uh i've got to ask and start the show with this uh you saw the game larry you saw that msu game uh and it was quite an interesting game to see almost embarrassing and horrific uh is this a same old quote next question kind of team or uh, when it comes to making plays that they really cannot accomplish uh it seems like the excuses just keep piling up to me uh larry uh, what are your thoughts on this team
1: well, I think Michigan State, you know, according to the oddsmakers, played better than they were expected. But they're not really in a situation to have more victories in the season that's slipping away. That once had them ranked as high as 10. They definitely had chances to win that game um, throughout the game. Uh, the one thing some of my Spartan friends were grumbling about was Antonio calling for call um, pass plays, you know, on their on their last drive when they could have. Ran out the clock, but I really think they had to throw the ball to get some first downs. They hadn't run all day, um, and I think those were the right calls. They just didn't quite execute, you know. And other than that opening drive in the second half, Michigan State didn't do much on offense, which really was to be expected. They struggled lately, and uh, on defense, on the other hand, I think they played really well to keep Michigan to 12 points. First time Michigan's won a, a, a game. It was only field goal since 1995, a game wow. I covered for the Lansing State Journal way back when, after I graduated from State <laughs> in
3: Yeah, and speaking of graduating state, uh, let's jump to a second, because most of the listeners do not know that you were once a sports rap guy yourself. Uh, what is your most fond memory here at the Impact and hosting the Spartan Sports Rap back in the day?
1: Well, there's there's a couple. Uh, Sean Respert and Eric Snow came on our air when we were all seniors during the '94-'95 <laughs> season, and we were just goofing around. And we got Eric Snow to beatbox and Sean Respert to rap. <laughs> and that was uh, that was quite a memorable uh, uh, show. Uh, I actually can tell you some of his lines. He said, "Now listen yeah. up, people. And give me your ear. to listen to the Big Ten Player of the Year." Telling you something you might not like, and we got a big center, and his name is Jamie Fight. <laughs> I, can, I can remember that like it was yesterday, and it was uh, 18 years ago. And the other one was we had um, then Athletic Director Clarence Underwood on the air to talk about a memo that was uh, obtained by the State News a reporter Kyle Mullen uh, back in 1994, I believe. Uh, calling for Judd to resign or retire earlier than he had planned. It was a memo that was never sent, but it was obtained by the state news. Wow. And we had Clarence Underwood on the air. We played the live soundbite from Judd saying that they used to be friends and used to spend holidays together, but it would never be the same. And we asked Clarence Underwood to give us his reaction, and he started to cry. <laughs> and, uh you know, there were are 20, uh, 21-year-old kids with a grown man in front of us crying live on the air, and it was, uh, <laughs> you know, something I won't forget.
3: Oh, I, I can imagine you wouldn't. And uh, it, basically, when it comes to Respirant and Snow giving some raps, uh, are they some of the most entertaining guys you've ever interviewed, or is there another guy that really struck you as, as a character and personality?
1: Well, Cedric Irvin, uh, in terms of Michigan State lore, uh, was one of the all-time quotable guys. Mateen Clears was a great quote as well. Uh, you know, certainly some colorful guys throughout the years. And uh, in terms of colorful language, there's nothing like getting cussed out by Nick Saban, which I'd, uh, had happened to me more than once, uh, yeah. including one memorable time when uh, we were told at Northwestern, uh, this was in 1999, that we could only talk to seniors. And, of course, being a young Hot shot reporter. I wasn't quite taken to that, so I quoted some underclassmen in my in my story for the Lansing State Journal. And uh, when Nick Saban asked me why I did that, I said, "Well, the policy was just kind of sprung on us. It wasn't explained to us." And Nick Saban said, well, "Larry, I don't work for you." And I said, "Coach, with all due respect, I don't work for you." And he went on to uh, cuss me out and scream at me to never come back. And of uh, course, I was back the next day at practice and. Uh, one of the one of the many fun war stories I have from uh, <laughs> Nick Saban.
3: Oh my goodness! I wish I could have been there to see. Uh you know, after the Spartan Sports Wrap, after your job, you know, after your work here, uh, you went on, and now you are working for the Associated Press. So, uh, talk about a little bit about the steps to get to where you are today, and really, uh, was it someone that you met along the way, or?
1: Well, uh, I graduated from the state in 1995. I got a degree in elementary education just in case my dream job didn't work out. <laughs> That's still in my back pocket. I think I'll stick to my day job. But, oh, <laughs> uh, I was a freelancer for the Lansing State Journals for a free few years out of college making 25 bucks an article and delivering pizzas and valeting cars and doing whatever I had to do to pay the bills. And then, uh, kind of made some breaks and got some breaks at the Lansing State Journal and, um then in two thousand the summer of two thousand i got a call out of nowhere from harry atkins who had my job at the Associated press for twenty one years and he was retiring and he had been reading my stories and hearing about me and doing some homework on me and he thought i should apply for his job and i lo and behold bit and i was at the age of twenty seven i got what was, i thought was a dream job and now twelve years later uh... I'll be surprised if I have another job, and I'm pretty lucky to say that because this is a pretty crazy business run, so right. really fortunate to be where I am, mostly covering um, Michigan State basketball, Michigan football, the Lions, and the Red Wings, who are, of course, our idol right now, and then I chip in on uh, the other sports, I'll be covering the World Series and uh, dip into some Pistons action here and there, and a little a little Michigan State football, and a little Michigan basketball. but. Uh, Pretty fortunate to work for the world's largest news gathering organization, uh, you know, and to get this job at the age of 27, and being on the Eric Spartan Sports trap was one of the things that helped me get here.
3: Wow, congratulations to you, Larry. Uh, and, and of course, you are covering those Detroit Tigers right now. Let's just get to this real quick. Uh, did you ever expect they would get this far? And even if, since they are this far now, uh, are you on the Miguel Cabrera MVP bandwagon?
1: Well, I actually thought they would be around where they are right now. I mean, when they started the season, they started with really high expectations. They basically replaced Victor Martinez with um, Prince Fielder, and the rest of the team was pretty much intact. They were pretty good last year, and and there's no reason to think um, that they couldn't do what they're doing now. Um, And then in terms of Miguel Cabrera, I mean, I think if you're the first Triple Crown winner in, you know, 40-some years that... That you would have to be the MVP, and yet Mike Trout is an all-around player. You could certainly make an argument that he is the MVP. Uh, thankfully, at the AP, uh, we're not allowed to vote for any active player or coach for any kind of award, so I'm out of the mix for that. I do have a Hall of Fame vote, but uh, that's a, obviously for retired players. Right. So <laughs> if I had a vote, which I don't, I would uh, I would vote for Miguel Cabrera.
3: All right, very good. Uh, jumping tides here. Uh, before you did come on the show,
2: my
1: my six my six year old son said he would vote for
3: Miguel Cabrera. Too. <laughs> All right, we'll quote him on and that. Fielder. <laughs> oh, Fielder too. Very good. This
1: uh, is giving me flashbacks to Spartan Sports Rap when my uh, my fraternity brothers would call and prank the show while I was out on the air <laughs> trying to get a resume
3: tape. Hey, don't yeah, jinx I me like now. I I don't you. want my fraternity brothers, Larry, calling and pranking me either. So let's uh let's keep that quiet before we do get some calls here. Uh, jump in real quick though, to the Detroit lions before you did come on the air. Uh, we were talking about this, this team in this matchup tonight. And there was an article that came out earlier this week uh, from ESPN about Nate Burleson saying that the lions are bad guys. Again, almost like the Detroit bad boy feel, uh, continuing on here. He says, quote, finding that maturity off the field, can't compromise who we are on the field and who we are on the field are the bad guys. Uh, you agree with this statement, and uh, what are you expecting tonight? Are you going to see the six hundred grand coming back in fines, or what?
1: <laughs> uh, I think the Lions really are at their best when they have a chip yeah, on their shoulder. Yeah, the Lions are really the best when they have a chip on their, chip their shoulder. <laughs> yeah, um, when they have a chip on their shoulder and people are doubting them, you know, and the expectations are high and that kind of thing, they're just not quite as sharp. Um, this is a really pivotal game for them because it's a huge difference between being three and three. And two and five, um, you know they. Uh, it's a, it's a swing game, two and four, if you will. Um, really, really big game. You know they've had a tough stretch here. They've only been home two times in the first seven weeks. Um right. So if they can survive this stretch at three and three without playing a lot of good football, um, and with a lot of parity in the NFC North, you know something could come out of the season. But this is a huge game for them to win tonight. Right. Uh, they're already banged up. Secondary uh, is even more thin. They just signed Justin Miller, who has not played an NFL game since 2009, and he very well may be on the field tonight yeah. on Monday Night Football um, against Cutler and Brandon Marshall and the like. Of course, I have Brandon Marshall on my fantasy team, so I wouldn't <laughs> mind him having a big game. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it's a really big game for the, for the Lions. And if they can win this game, I really think that gives them some momentum getting back at home after a tough stretch in which, you know, they play four road games and two home games.
3: Right, and I saw you did tweet about the Lions being pretty desperate with Justin Miller, and they did cut uh, Doug Hogue to sign him. Uh, Your predictions and and what you expect production-wise for uh, Alfonso Smith, who they did re-sign, and Miller uh, for tonight?
1: Uh, Not good, really. Uh, There's a reason they were cut. I mean, if you're cut by a team that's desperate for defensive back, that doesn't say a lot about you. (laughs) And the fact that nobody else thought much of them either – I'll tell you a little bit more, but uh, this team, um, you know, is they're really desperate at cornerback at and they're basically signing anybody that's got a pulse. Right. The biggest <laughs> thing for them is if they can get a, a pass rush, especially with their front four without having a lot of blitzes, mm-hmm. that can cover up some of their problems on the back end. And, you know, that's what they did last year early on um, when they had some success and got off to a 5-0 start at the front. was so dominant that it covered up a lot of their problems on the back end. Yeah. And they need that to happen again tonight.
3: All right, and yeah, and we will see what happens tonight. Uh, Wrapping it up here, uh, Larry, last question for you. Uh, When it comes to basketball, Michigan ranked fifth and MSU 14th in the coaches' poll. Uh, Of course, no opinions are reflected by the Associated Press. Uh, Does that surprise you at all with these rankings coming out?
1: You know, no. I think Michigan um, generated some hype last year, and the fact that Trey Burke came back gave them a boost and, you know, the expectations as well. Um, And I think Michigan State, Losing Draymond Green, people are going to think they're going to take a step back. Actually, talked to uh, Brandon Dawson and Russell bird on the phone tonight for my preview that'll come out next week, um, and they just love their team. Of course, they are going to this time of year, uh, and we'll find out a lot about the Spartans opening up against Connecticut, um, and then having another tough game in Atlanta right after that. Right. So we'll know soon, you know, what kind of team this is. But I think this is one one of Tom was deeper teams um mm-hmm. And that only makes practices more competitive and and makes the rotation that much deeper to kind of play the high uh tempo high octane game they want to play and then once Suzo gets into March, you know arguably there's one better so it should be a fun year for Michigan state in basketball and uh Unfortunately, with the football team, people are thinking of the basketball team much sooner than they probably planned on.
3: Right. All right, Larry. Thank you so much again for joining us on the Sports Wrap today. Uh, Bull predictions from your son and yourself uh, with Miguel Cabrera and the MVP. Larry, thanks again for everything. Uh, great talking to you and catching up on some of the memories you had here at the Impact. Okay. Take care, guys. Take care, Larry. Great talking to you. Bye now. Alright, so John, we did hear it from Larry, uh, his predictions on that, and it's about time, it's the last minute of the show, and we're going to jump to our goon of the week, and this is pretty funny, Uh, I talked about how this is back in the day when it comes to basketball, Kyle Singler, draft pick for the Detroit Pistons, John, Uh, his teammates let him lead the team out onto the court in the preseason game for the Bobcats, they respect the guy, lead our team out, Let's let's go lead the team, let's start the layup lines, Well, as he's leading the team out of the tunnel, he turns around to find nobody behind him. Only guy on the court doing layup lines by himself. He turns around and just gives a big smile. All his teammates start laughing. Uh, uh, That's just a typical rookie welcome to the league kind of thing, huh, John?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good kind of uh, hazing or prank for those rookies. Nothing bad, nothing painful, <laughs> just that's a good humiliation in front of a couple thousand fans down in Charlotte. So I thought that was pretty good, actually.
3: Hey, and as Larry Lage has said, he doesn't want his fraternity brothers pranking him, and that's, that he doesn't want that hazing going done, done over the air, and of course, Kyle Singler getting the hazing done on the court. Of course, Lance Armstrong, a little bit of national news before we close the show. Uh, stripped of his seven Tour de France titles, uh, pretty much another goon along with Singler. Uh, pretty embarrassing for the sport. We'll get to that more next week. But for now, we did just have Larry Lage, and no one did get the question of the correct, uh, the question of the week correct again. So we will be back at it again next Monday from seven to eight to see who will win a Peter Pitt gift certificate. I'm Alex Sharg at the Spartan Sports Trap and across from me, I'm John Yales. And we'll see you next week.
2: You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.